Hey, Chicago Fire fans, this is Nick from the Feed the Fire podcast, and we are on an international break here with the Chicago Fire. Not as fun as spring break, but you know what? I'll take it because that means the Fire can't lose this weekend, and the USMNT was back in action against their rivals, Mexico. We're going to touch on a little Chicago Fire news in the first half and some coaching speculation, future manager possibly. And then we are also going to look at the USA's game against Mexico and uh, talk a little bit about their coaching situation. So before we get on all of that, I want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water, some of the best bottled water that you can find on the planet straight from Iceland. Make sure you pick up a bottle or three at your local 7-Eleven. Now, with the Chicago Fire News, not too much out on their website, which given all the rumors about coaches and player speculation and all these sort of things going on and, and stuff around the league, you'd think that they would be pushing a lot more news and articles and things on their website, uh, but they're not. So I was trying to find some, some cool stuff to talk about, and the first thing uh, that came to my mind was Brian Gutierrez reportedly is being scouted by Manchester United, which is great to hear, right? And we got to remember now that those lone army days are over. The lone armies that Chelsea was famous for, where they just go out and buy everybody they possibly can to keep other clubs from getting them and then just loaning them out to anyone else outside of the Premier League. Those days are over with new financial fair play rules. So if Manchester United is going to spend, you know, 10, 12, 15 million, hopefully uh, something in that range, but realistically, probably eight to 12 million on on a 20 year old who's an up and coming player, hasn't even made an all star game yet uh, in MLS. Uh, If they're going to spend, you know, around 10 million for him, there's a chance that he's going to see the pitch on occasion in the Premier League, either against some lower table teams when when they're building leads or or in situations like a US Open Cup like their FA Cup where they're going to be playing a team a division or two below them um, or just a struggling EPL team who's rotating their squad as well. So Brian Gutierrez is going to Manchester United. I I would love to see it. Not only does that keep that Chicago to England pipeline open and going, right, with John Duran, uh with Gaga Slonina, Uh, We would continue to have that there. We would continue to say the Chicago Fire can do good business on an international scale, at least when it comes to the selling and transferring of players, because we definitely haven't seen it on the player acquisition side of things, Um, but also for him to really test himself and prove himself. I would be okay if he goes to Man United and then does get loaned to another European club for a season, half a season or something like that, just to get uh, the, the feel for playing overseas and then coming to Manchester United, I'd be okay with that kind of loan, but I don't want to see him go there and then just get loaned out for like a year or two and never see the pitch in the Premier League. Uh, But I think it's an excellent, excellent kind of rumor, piece of interest. Um, Also, other clubs uh, that on some of the articles I saw were saying like, oh yeah, you know, there's a random club in Italy is looking to, to scout Brian Gutierrez or clubs around South America, you know, like you hear kind of like general talk right now, but Manchester United was the one club named in those conversations. That would be fantastic for him. And the other thing is if Manchester United is wanting to make good on, on these signings from a business perspective, then they are going to need to feature him for a few games 
in the Premier League, and then that will drive his value way up if, at the very least, he could hold his own. Now, Brian Gutierrez, who just turned 20 years old, we're recording it on June 17th here. Uh, happy birthday, Brian Gutierrez. He is going to need to become a much more physical presence on the pitch and I and not not as much like throwing his weight around defensively because we know he is best picking up the ball in midfield and driving it forward and and doing a lot of link up play but he's gonna need to bulk up because he's gonna have to use his body to hold off Premier League defenders or European League defenders right he has to grow into his body and bulk up a little bit maybe a short-term loan away from Man United if he ends up there will help him with that. But I would love to see Brian Gutierrez get this move over to England. It would be fantastic. Now, if that doesn't happen, then the fire needs to just lock him up, get him in under like a four or six year deal, something that they could pull off where they keep Gutierrez and then build around him. If they're going to sell him, sell him now, get the money, start the rebuild with the new manager next season. If they aren't going to sell him, lock him up long-term, build around him. And that way, if you have all the pieces around him, the fire can be winning. And then if you do end up needing to sell him because he is starting to command 15 to $20 million based on how well he starts playing in MLS at age 22, 23, you still have some years on the contract. You can get a really good deal. Um, now, I don't know about MLS contracting rules, if they're going to ever do that to a player, especially someone who's still only 20 years old, uh, who just turned 20. Um, but still, can we can we lock him up under contract for three to four seasons or so and then really develop him and, and centralize him, focus on him, make him be the face of the franchise, not some ridiculous DPs uh, that come over and don't know what they're doing here in MLS, right? Anyway, that's enough about Brian Gutierrez. A little bit of other fire news that just kind of broke that's making uh, the social media circles is the Inter-Miami ticket deal. You can get three games worth of tickets, including Inter-Miami, for $139 a ticket, um, which, again, covers three games. So the package is you get an Inter-Miami ticket for October 4th, and then you get also a ticket to Nashville and to Orlando City home games here in Chicago. Those three games, $139. Now, for the Miami game, you're sitting in the 300 section. But for Nashville and Orlando City, depending on the availability at the time you're going through Ticketmaster for this, you can get like 100-level sideline or, or endline tickets or 200-level uh, sideline tickets here. So 140 bucks. by the time you tack on all the fees and everything, you're looking at around $200 for three Chicago Fire games, including the October 4th Leo Messi game against Inter Miami. Not a bad deal. Um, go online, look around for the deal, look for links. Um, a, a lot of season ticket holders or anyone who's purchased a ticket within the last year or so are getting these links emailed to them for this deal. So be on the lookout for it. Ask your friends, ask anyone who's got it, right? I really like this from a marketing standpoint. The Chicago Fire are really getting creative. Look, you want to come see Messi? You don't want to pay several hundred dollars just to go to that one Messi game? We'll tell you what. You can pay several hundred dollars and go to three games, including the Messi game, which is an insanely hard ticket to find. So this is great marketing. And at the worst case, like I looked at it for four tickets for these three games. It would have been about $800. Okay, fine. That's fine for me to take my son to go see Leo Messi and then give tickets away to my friends and family to go to the other games, right? Like this, you're you're gonna fill seats with this 
And and that Nashville game is going to be a good one. We're going to see Hani Mukhtar have a little of his hat trick magic against the Chicago Fire again. So I really love what the Chicago Fire are doing with this. It's great to get butts in seats. Now just work on something better with the city of Chicago and the Chicago Park District as far as parking goes. Next up, a little coaching speculation here for the Chicago Fire. Uh, Jesse Marsh is now at the front of every rumor mill out there for the Chicago Fire. He was in the running for USMNT coach. But Greg Berhalter was announced as the coach officially after uh, officially today, the day after the USMNT Mexico game. But unofficially, the news was reported last night, uh, right at halftime of the US, or right at the beginning of the USMNT Mexico game. Right. So more on that later. Uh, but with with Jesse Marsh not getting the USMNT job, he's open for the Chicago Fire job, and it really comes down to would he want it? Yes or no? Now. Here's the no. We'll start with the glass half empty. Why is Marsh not going to come here? Look, the guy's coached in the Bundesliga. The guy's coached in the Premier League. Why is he going to come back to the MLS? He is not going to want to take a hit to his reputation like that and have it look like to people around the world and other teams and other national teams that Marsh is calling it quits, that he's going back to MLS. He can't hack it elsewhere. So that's it would look like a step down, right? And is he just trying to rebuild his image? He's got to go back and get some easy wins after getting sacked at Leeds United. So I can see why he wouldn't want to do that. Additionally, he plays a very, very pressing style uh, of soccer. And can he do that in MLS? We've seen teams try it. We've seen teams move away from it and only use it in certain situations, tweak it, modify it. Red Bulls, still, Red Bulls are still doing it to a certain extent, but we've seen that has failed them come the postseason. That's why they've never won an MLS Cup, right? Um, not to rag on when they were the Metro Stars, but under the Red Bull system, they have not been close to winning uh, an MLS Cup. So Marsh is going to have to adjust his tactics and his style of play, especially when you don't have the depth of a roster that you do overseas due to MLS roster rules, right? So those are some of the reasons why he would not come here. And this is just my speculation on whether he would want, would or would not want to. I personally love to see it. I think it'd be fantastic. But why he would want to come here? Stability. You live in the United States, stable. You know the country. You know the league, which is a huge bonus because we've seen coaches with MLS experience tend to do better quicker than coaches without MLS experience. Also, it's a little stability from the job perspective. He was at Leeds for what, a year, year and a half maybe? And you saw when he went when he took over Red Bull Leipzig, he wasn't there very long because he was not getting the results, as far as I can remember. Maybe I'm shortchanging him a season or two. But still, it's very volatile if you're coaching in Europe, in Mexico, and South America. You could be in and out in less than a season. Whereas in MLS, especially if you come to the Chicago Fire, unless the wheels fall off, uh, unless you're playing terribly and not handling racism incidents, and <laughs> speaking of those Red Bulls again, you're probably going to get two years. Now, Ezra Hendrickson, obviously – was, was an exception to that general rule of you're going to get two years, but we saw how bad the fire were playing and they had actually been going backwards since he took over last season. So he was the exception, but not without justification. So Marsh would be, probably get two solid years with the Chicago fire as well as help the rebuild. That could be very appealing to a coach who's still what only in his forties, I think late forties, maybe like, He's got a long career ahead of him. He could do something really special, helping the fire rebuild their roster. And he's going to get the chance when you've got old guys like, again, relatively old guys who can still do it in the MLS level, but 
maybe shouldn't be Kai Kamara, Jardin Shakiri, Gaston Jimenez. And again, Brian Gutierrez, Chris Brady, likely going to get sold off in the next two to three seasons. So you're going to get to see him really develop. And if he can get Kutsius to develop, hey, maybe Kutsius gets sold to a larger league in Europe too if the Fire want to do that kind of business, right? So he's going to have a lot of say over his roster, assuming he can get along with whoever the sporting director and the technical directors are. And God willing, we can see those two positions rotated over as well. So there's there's a lot of pros to him being here in the United States, in MLS, in Chicago. One of the other things we saw people saying online, his wife recently underwent uh, cancer treatments. I think she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so to have some stability rather than bouncing around international countries would go a long way uh, to helping his family. So those are the things that we're starting to see players now come to MLS, right? We'll use Leo Messi as the example. If he just wanted to cash out and just play off his star power for another couple, three years, he'd have gone to Saudi Arabia. He would have had Barcelona or some other club in Europe throw as much money as they were able to at him. But no, he decided to come to Miami, not because he wanted to take it easy, but because there's so much more potential for him in his long-term life and career. It's more appealing to be here. And, and maybe that can also be said for coaches who can come to the MLS and really do a good job. We've heard it on the Extra Time podcast, MLS's podcast. Those guys have said like, yeah, there are roster rules and salary caps and budget constraints for players. There's no constraints for coaches. So if you really want to invest, throw some extra money at a coach and that can help you help you get the most out of your players in, in a lot of circumstances. So another reason he might be interested in coming to MLS, he could probably make a decent paycheck for a couple of years if it's all about the money. I'm all for Jesse March. Marsh, I say we go for it. Heck, let's rebuild the roster. Let's go younger. Let's bring some of his pressing to Chicago. Plus, he can also, as a coach, try some new tactics here in the MLS and then use that as a platform to say, hey, look, team in a top five league in Europe. I don't just press anymore. Look what I did with Chicago. I was able to do other things because there's a much lower risk of doing that in MLS, right? Top nine teams make the playoffs this year. More teams make the playoffs than don't in each conference, right? So he can afford to do that, try some tactical tweaks in the MLS and not have it really come back to kill him like it does when you are really living week to week, say, in the Premier League, especially in a relegation battle. All right. Let's take a quick sponsor break. We want to recognize Skira Icelandic Spring Water for supporting the Feed the Fire podcast. They were with us from episode one, and they have been a supporter of this show. Uh, they sponsor our segment with our featured guest, John Donovan. So thank you to Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. It's not your average water. Clearly, unintended it's one of the best and with that being said we want to turn our attention now internationally since we have our international water sponsor here usmnt versus mexico what a game chicago fire and soccer fans usmnt fans oh my gosh i like the next morning like my son comes running down. He's like, what happened in the game? It was way past his bedtime. He's seven years old. He doesn't get to stay up and watch all of that. Plus, he would probably learn a few new swear words in both English, Greek, and Spanish from me if he stayed up and watched that game with me. But just telling him about it the next morning, like I got worked up all over again. 
this game, this rivalry produces so many like moments. I don't want to call them like iconic moments because then that word would just get, get worn out because there are so many just moments, right? Pulisic brace and the game face, the picture of him jumping up and like karate kicking the corner flag after his first goal, the rock, paper, scissors with McKenney after the second goal, McKenney, everything he did to Mexico, soccer wise and otherwise, right? Him getting thrown into the bench and having to scuffle his way out of there, getting his Jersey ripped and then kissing the crest on the ripped Jersey. These are moments that are like solidified in memory watching Mexico's dominance in North America absolutely crumble and come falling to the ground here. It was just fantastic. When you have their goalkeeper, Ochoa, as the voice of reason, trying to pull like Jorge Sanchez, who that guy can just, I, I hope Ajax sells him off real quick because he can't play like this for Ajax, right? Like headbutting guys, dragging guys down. Like, and the fact that he, I don't even think he got a yellow card in that game just shows you how terrible the officiating was, but he was hacking guys left and right. Jorge Sanchez is now slowly moving up the list of uh, most hated players on El Tree, for me at least. Should be for you too. Go back and watch some of his lowlights in this last match. But watching Mexico crumble too is, fan, is just phenomenal. They're, they played like a beer league team. They had a couple opportunities. They had a few moments of possession. Now, a lot of criticism has been thrown the way of their coach for playing formations and tactics that really don't suit the style of his players or as people are saying, it doesn't fit the style of Mexico, right? Free-flowing, letting the players have some individual creativity. Um, you also didn't have Hector Herrera. I don't know if it was because Houston didn't release him or what his contract looks like or if they didn't call him up for a Nations League semifinal. Maybe Mexico thinks they're above that. Well, no more, Mexico. No more, LLLL. Do I have enough L's in there? L tree. Uh like I said, if Ochoa is your voice of reason late in the game when you're getting into fights, you know it's gotten bad for Mexico. And he's the goalie. He's just like, we need to end this, guys. We're down 3 nothing. We just need to end this game. Let's get out of here. Um, but, yeah, they, they look like a beer league team during that match. And, again, I'll say my love for Weston McKinney just grows with every USA game that he plays in. Also, that ribbed jersey, I just saw something online that said uh, he received an offer of $10,000 for that rib jersey and he's like nah i'm keeping it <laughs> so all the better for him right but here let's quick hit some player observations we got to start with christian pulisic two goals bringing his total against mexico in competitive matches to four goals that has him tied for most of any usmnt player again in competitive matches against mexico uh donovan's got four i, I want to say dempsey was on that list but i could be wrong but there are now four players with four competitive goals against Mexico, Christian Pulisic's in it. So you know he's going to surpass that and be the best American player against Mexico, at least from a goal-scoring perspective. He also moves up the USMNT's all-time goal-scoring list. He is now sitting on 25 goals. He is sixth all-time. He just passed Joe Max Moore. So who is ahead of him? Brian McBride on 30 goals. Winalda on 32. Altidore, 42. So he is... Five behind McBride, seven behind Winalda, and 17 behind Altidore. He could jump up to the third place. He could be third all-time in USMNT goal scoring by the time the next World Cup rolls around. If he you know, has another goal against Canada tomorrow, if he has a couple more goals in Gold Cup, uh, if he comes back for Gold Cup, depending on how his uh, 
European career is going. I say European because I hope he's not at Chelsea anymore. But man, if he shows up against in a qualifying game against like a Granada uh, or or St. Vincent the Grenadines or something like that, or even a Belize and, and bangs in a hat trick, like he could he could roll up that list pretty quickly. Now I don't know if he's going to be getting time against such teams, teams where the U.S. will beat handily. Um, you don't want to risk your players like that, but hey, you never know. You got to keep your guys fresh. You got to keep them integrated in the system and with the club. So you never know what's going to happen. Or, you know, he ends up sitting on like 45 for a long time because now they have Florian or Florin Balligan, who is going to be scoring. You saw him get into some dangerous spots, but I really loved his work rate. The fact that he tracked back defensively so late in the game to steal the ball away, I forget what player it was, who then ended up just sweeping his leg out and kicking him, drawing an automatic red card. That is why I think he is so far ahead of a lot of other players in the USMNT striker pool because of his defensive work rate as well. Now, a lot of the other guys will press, right? We know Aronson will press and hustle all day. Winnell Sargent can run and press and, and will track back on defense. But, like, he's got the he's got as good, if not better, probably better finishing than guys like Ferreira and Pepe. And you saw him put in that defensive work. That was fantastic by Balogun. A couple other players we got to point out, Serginho Dest. He was feeling it yesterday. His passing was great. His on-the-ball technical ability, he was dribbling around. He's, def- he's One of the announcers even said, like, why is he dancing and making doing spin moves on the edge of his eight- own 18 here? Only Serginho Dest, and that's why we love him for it. Someone's going to sign him just off of last night's game. Now, the red card, yeah, pretty terrible, right? Lost his cool late in the game, and that's my one criticism of this match is how the U.S. continues to let Mexico get in their heads. And now we're down West McKenney and Serginho Dest for the game against Canada on the final due to red card suspensions. I mean, if the soccer gods were just, Weston McKenney's red card would get overturned because, number one, um, pants to the throat, apparently it only goes for Mexico like Hector Herrera constantly is doing it, or uh, or Andres Guardado is constantly doing it, to Weston McKenney of all people. Um, but he he literally got shoved by six Mexico players into their bench, and he had to kind of scuffle his way out of there, as I said. Of course, he's going to get his hands up towards someone's throat in order to move him aside. So if, they are ju- if, if the soccer gods were just, and we know the CONCACAF ones aren't, that red card would get overturned, and he'd be allowed to play tomorrow, but I don't think it's going to happen. And Serginho Dest is out. Um, also we need to, oh, as far as, uh, Serginho Dest goes, he's rumored to be close to signing with Union Berlin in the B- German Bundesliga. Um, I really hope that happens for him and he can step into a starting role with that squad. We know the German teams are going to give players chances, uh, especially American players. Um, and it seems like he is out of favor at Barca. Uh, he was playing with, I want to say AC Milan in Italy. Yep. Red and black or blue and black? Which Milano was? Uh, red and black. AC Milan, I think. Uh, so that did, that loan didn't turn into a permanent transfer. So I hope that he gets this, posi- this position. Like we're job interviewing here, right? Eh, maybe kind of. I hope that he gets the transfer to Union Berlin and can continue to develop his skills over there. Last guy we got to mention. Well, not last guy. Matt Turner stayed sharp. There, He could have easily been lulled, not having to do much. Um, you know, he was constantly getting the green lasers in his eye. He knew the chant that was coming. And yet he continued to stay sharp and make the saves late in the game to keep it 3-0. And then Tim Weah, last one I'll mention. Everyone on the, on the squad deserves to be mentioned and praised for this. But Tim Weah, lung-busting run after lung-busting run. He can stretch a field, stretch a defense, get into dangerous areas. Finish, like Tim Weah 
I don't know how you don't start him every game he's available when he's playing with the USMNT. He looked like he really had some good chemistry with Dest, and you know he can play well with Pulisic and McKenney, guys who are going to be on the pitch for every meaningful USMNT game. So good on Wea. I, I hope he continues to develop. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. All right, last little bit of USMNT thing. Greg Berhalter announced official. He is the next current extended. Anyway, he's going to be the USMNT coach through the next World Cup, you know, barring an utter collapse of the likes we haven't seen since 2018. So Berhalter announced as the head coach. Now, did they leak it on purpose ahead of the Mexico game? I don't know. It was kind of bad timing. I think U.S. soccer would have liked to do it. People are criticizing the journalists. Don't criticize the journalists. That's their job. They got to break the news because, it, I mean, if if you were up for a promotion and you said, you know what, I got other things to do. There's some other projects I got to finish. Don't promote me. Your company's going to go, well, we got to get someone to fill that role. I'm going to go promote the next guy then. Like the next journalist is going to break that news and, and really – this is the job of the journalists. Don't don't get down on them for breaking it for doing their job, right? So, Burhalter back in as manager. He will not be managing in the Nations League, but will take over after Nations League. Uh, kudos to the interim managers, Anthony Hudson and uh, BJ Callahan. Callahan, I can't even remember if that Callahan. I forget now. Um, kudos to them for doing what they did with USMNT for this time. Uh, Burhalter. I'm like trying to get excited or like I'm trying to get angry, but I'm just so middle of the road with his hiring right now. Uh, like looking just at the Burhalter hire. Let me put my blinders on here. If you're watching on YouTube, I got my blinders on. I'm looking just at the Burhalter perspective of this as him being the coach, right? I'm okay with it. I mean, statistically, he's the best USMNT coach we've ever had. If you're looking at like wins, losses, percentage, winning percentages, stuff like that. Now, the caveat to that is, just about all of the opponents that he's faced were CONCACAF opponents. So if it wasn't Canada, Mexico, Panama, or Costa Rica, he should have been winning all those games, right? We should have been winning all the qualifying games. We should have been winning all the Nations League and Gold Cup games, right? And then the few away, true away games, international games, he did struggle a little bit on the road um, overseas. And again, really got out coached. In, in the Netherlands game, if you subscribe to that theory, if you if if you don't think he got out coached, you just think that maybe they were a little unlucky. That that's fine because that's kind of where I fell in that game as well. Not to rehash it and not to misconstrue Lee Van Gaal's comments is that Berhalder stuck to the to the tactics that were getting the United States all their shots and all their opportunities. They just couldn't find the back of the net, and then the Dutch had the perfect counter for it. Anyway, we're not rehashing the World Cup, but. There are a lot of reasons why Greg Berhalter is a good choice to continue on as the USMNT manager, and none more so than the players wanting him. Now, you don't want to make a coaching decision purely based on what the players are, but if you look at it as when he took over four years ago, it was a build. It was a rebuild. It was a construction project. We're only halfway there. The project is was to get their squad ready to make a run at World Cup 2026 final. That's the project. It's an eight-year project. And when you saw the, who are the bulk of their players, they were the what third youngest squad in the World Cup. They're all young, these are all young guys relatively early in their career, right? I think we as USMNT fans start to forget about that because we had moved so quickly and broken so quickly 
from that old guard, right? And there's still a lot of people on social media who want to see guys like Altidore and Bradley being honored by the USMNT, which, fine, do it. All that nicety stuff, all that PR, good PR stuff, fine. I don't care. It, it shouldn't affect how the team plays right now, right? So now you're getting these guys coming into their prime. And it makes sense, at least if from a corporate thing perspective and from almost a sports perspective, to continue that project, to continue that build. And even though we had interim managers for the last six months, it was the same core group of players and it was the same mentality, same structure. Uh, now, recently in, in these National League games, we're seeing a little tweaks here and there, and, and that's fine because we're getting results and we whooped on Mexico. But I think that this is a it's a fine hiring. Are, are, like, did we want Jesse Marsh? A lot of people did. Would he have fit what the U.S. was doing? Eh, probably not as cleanly as people as people would have thought. But I think more people wanted anyone but Burhalter, and they tend to forget everything else that he had done for the program. As far as people bringing up the incident of him kicking his wife back when they were in college, you need to move on from that. Not only did they go to counseling for it. Not only did she forgive him and then go on to marry him and start a family with him and have a full life with him. Remember, she's the victim in, the, in this circumstance, not you, not the fan. So you don't have, you shouldn't have to worry about that, right? She was the victim. She forgave him. They have moved on. They have a wonderful life together now. You are not the victim in this circumstance. Don't hold that against a coach of a soccer team. All right, just because just because you don't like him tactically or you don't like the players he chose, don't hold that against him. All right, that's my that's my soapbox. But here's the thing: Burhalter now has this through World Cup 2026. They can build towards it. They can finish the mission, if you want to call it that. Right, and then now that they know, like, there's no way he's going to get a third term. Right? Are we going to have to pass a USSF constitutional amendment to limit people to two terms? He's not getting a two term thing here. Or he's not getting a third term. So you can actually plan for the future rather than just cut it off, do a six-month search with the search firm and go back to your original candidate, right? You can actually plan the transition and not have, like I said, an embarrassing search. But for that, wrap-up thoughts here on USMNT. Let's just win Nations League, win Gold Cup, and then keep developing the talent, the pipeline, the project, win the World Cup on home soil, and then constantly rub that in the face of Mexico. With that, fans, I will leave you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the start to summer if you haven't already been in full swing. I appreciate you kind of sitting with me while we kind of have a modified schedule due to the international break here. As always, like and subscribe on YouTube. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow along on Spotify. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Thank you.